Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.30 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is Friday the 13th of September 2019. This is episode 137 of Bitcoin and... Let's get right into it. <clears throat> Iranian crypto miners tax exempt if they repatriate offshore earnings. <laughs> this is Cointelegraph's uh, Joeri Kant writing uh, sometime today, I believe. Nope, this was yesterday. Cryptocurrency miners in Iran will be eligible for a tax exemption if they agree to repatriate their overseas earnings, according to Iran's National Tax Administration. Per a report by local English-language news daily Financial Tribune, INTA, the National Tax Administration, introduced a repatriation tax exemption similar to the one it offers non-oil exporters. INTA considers cryptocurrency mining a taxable business like any other industrial activity and, as such, believes it should follow the requirements set by the Central Bank of Iran in repatriating their overseas earnings. Per the Financial Tribune, Iranian miners think that the government's concern over the possibility of capital flight is disproportionate. They reportedly claim that 70 to 80 percent of the revenue from their activities goes back into the production cycle. Cryptocurrency mining has become a lucrative business in Iran in recent years due to extremely low electricity prices. Each kilowatt hour costs only 0.05 cents while one kilowatt hour in the United States costs an average of 12 cents, and in some states, 33 cents. Electricity prices for crypto miners, however, will now, miners, however, will now be set based on average power export rates in reals. As Cointelegraph previously reported at the end of July, the Iranian government, after months of speculation over the fate of, of mining cryptocurrencies in Iran, recognized it as a legal industrial activity. However, just days later, the Iranian government instituted a new bill that does not accept crypto as legal tender or recognize domestic transactions carried out with cryptocurrencies. So there's that. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, this is cool. Colin Harper is writing for Bitcoin Magazine. This happened yesterday. Premier League's Watford FC adds Bitcoin logo to uniforms. Uh, a UK Premier Football League, also known as soccer in the US. I know, it's, it's weird. A UK Premier League football club will now be sporting the Bitcoin logo out on the pitch. Watford FC, a professional football team from Watford, Hertfordshire, Hertfordshire announced today, September the 12th, that it has added the Bitcoin logo to the left sleeves of its players' uniforms. According to a blog post shared by Watford, popular Bitcoin betting site Sportsbet.io is sponsoring the logo placement on behalf of the Bitcoin community. Quote, the crypto community have been hugely supportive of us since we began, so putting the Bitcoin logo on the sleeves felt like a fun way to give something back while also showing them our support. Justin LeBrock, head of 
marketing at sportsbet.io said in the announcement, for its part, Watford echoes Sportbet.io, Sportbet.io's message that the logo placement could galvanize the Bitcoin community, quote, placing the Bitcoin logo on a Premier League shirt is something that challenges the accepted norm, Scott Duxbury, Watford's chairman and CEO, said. We're excited about the partnerships and the potential for new global conversations that it could help start for our club, end quote. The idea to emblazon Bitcoin's logo on the team jerseys sprang from Sportbet sportbet.io's negotiations to sponsor the front of Watford's uniforms. During the discussion, Watford mentioned that sleeved logos have historically been powerful tools for promoting brand awareness. This gave sportbet.io the idea. Quote, we spoke at length about the engagement levels that Premier League clubs drive and the media values that other assets, such as the sleeve, have historically generated for brands on a global basis. Sportbet.io realized that it would be an opportunity to use a sponsorship asset in an innovative way to improve people's understanding of Bitcoin and the benefits of associated Technologies, Spencer Field, Watford's global strategy and partnership director, told Bitcoin Magazine. In bringing Bitcoin to the biggest stage in UK football, sportsbet.io hopes to, the sponsorship will promote awareness and education and bust common myths that plague Bitcoin's reputation. For Watford, which Field <coughs> describes as a forward thinking club, the prospect of being a trailblazer in a burgeoning industry was just too appealing to pass up. The sponsorship will be partly crowdfunded and open to the Bitcoin community's contributions. This means that Bitcoin holders will be able to use their coins to share in the rights that sportbet.io has been granted as part of the sponsorship package, Field explained. Co-sponsors will then be entitled to exclusive merchandise, access to box seats during matches, and opportunities to bid on LED advertising space on the pitch's sidelines. Sportbet.io is also pledging two... Uh, 0.002 BTC in total to all new sportbet.io profiles in Watford if Watford wins their match against Arsenal on September the 15th, 2019. The move, unconventional to say the least, actually plays to the interest of some of Watford's fan base. Field told us that the club, or sorry, club's fan forums has a lengthy and ongoing cryptocurrency discussion and that there is a growing interest from those we would class as non-Bitcoin in that they don't actually own any of the currency. Just a day, just a day into the partnership, field continued. It seemed to be having the intended effect of catching the attention of those who normally wouldn't give Bitcoin the time of day. Quote, once you filter out the usual Twitter noise, I think it's fair to say that it has piqued our fans' curiosity as it is definitely different to a normal partnership, he said. Speaking of Twitter noise, in Watford's tweet announcing the partnership, our dear friend and sometimes community mascot, Hoodalonot, asked when he can use Bitcoin to buy Watford tickets and merch. Well, if the club has its way, that could come sooner than later. Uh, we quote, we hope to be able to accept Bitcoin payments across the business in due course so that we can take a lead in a space that is likely to continue to grow. So there is that one. That's that one's interesting. I like this one. Um, let's see. Mary Juliet is writing for Cointelegraph uh, this morning. Cubans are turning to Bitcoin to access global economy, according to a report. Bitcoin trading is opening new avenues for citizens in communist-run Cuba, which has been financially isolated for years under a United States trade embargo. 
A September 12th report from the United States News claims that the recent advent of mobile internet in the country, Cubans are increasingly buying cryptocurrencies to make online purchases as well as to invest and trade. Without access to debit cards or credit cards for international use, cryptocurrency-enabled purchases are a welcome opportunity for locals. In an interview with U.S. News, local resident Jason Sanchez, 35, said that the cryptocurrencies were opening new doors for Cubans. Sanchez said that he is now able to purchase spare parts for his cell phone repair shop in Havana from an online Chinese store thanks to Bitcoin. Alex Sobrino, 33, the founder of Telegram channel Cuba Crypto, estimated that roughly 1,000 Cubans were using cryptocurrencies. Quote, we are using crypto to top up our cell phones to make purchases online, and there are even people reserving hotel rooms, end quote. Notably, with a low prevalence of credit cards, many local crypto users reportedly need to ask relatives abroad to help them to enter the cryptocurrency markets or to turn to social media channels such as Cuba Crypto. In person, cash for Bitcoin exchanges using a mobile or laptop to carry out the transactions are another option, the report notes. Around 1,300 users are currently using Fusiona, which claims to be Cuba's first cryptocurrency exchange. The platform offers the possibility for people abroad to send remittances to Cuba or to invest in nine different cryptocurrencies via a larger exchange with services charged at a fee of up to 10%. Oh, a little high, guys. As Fusiona, yeah, F-U-S-Y-O-N-A, however the hell you pronounce that, that's it. Founder Adrian C. Leon, 31, told crypto U.S. News, quote, for Foreigners, cryptocurrencies is just another option, but for Cubans, it is a necessity and can be a solution to their exclusion from the global financial community. End quote. So, <clears throat> Sobrino noted that uncertainty and fear remain regarding how the government could react to the fledgling cryptocurrency trend. Fusiana is notably registered in Brazil, but has started talks with central bank officials to investigate whether the platform could seal formal approval. Quote, we worry the government will restrict us, prohibit things, start to say this is illicit enrichment, he said. The central bank reportedly revealed earlier this week that it was exploring the benefits and risks of digital currencies. In July, Cuba's economy minister, Alejandro Gil Fernandez, said the government was consulting with academics to study the potential use of cryptocurrency for its national and international commercial transactions. So, yeah, Cubans picking up picking up where where you know everybody else keeps dropping the damn ball they they get it iranians get it cubans get it these guys get it so they're gonna, i think they're going to they're all going to be pretty much all right as opposed to uh, the western world let's get into this one this is news btc's nick chong writing that central bankers ready to boost Bitcoin price sky high. Here's why. According to its proponents, the value proposition of Bitcoin was dramatically accentuated on Thursday when central bankers continued their march toward debasement and uncharted monetary monetary territory. For those who missed the memo, the European Central Bank on Thursday revealed that it would be activating yet another round of dovish monetary policies. While cryptocurrencies <clears throat> were created to be abstract, ab abstracted from the ins and outs of the fiat world, analysts say that this move by the ECB, coupled with similar steps from other leading central banks, should only prove the need for Bitcoin. According to a report from CNN, the monetary body overseeing the euro cut its interest rate 
for deposits by 10 basis points to z- to negative 0.5%. Simultaneously, the central bank revealed that it would be starting another round of quantitative easing, promising to purchase some 20 million euros worth of bonds and other financial assets <laughs> every month in hopes that the economy will remain stimulated. Like a drug addict, man. This comes after President Trump called for the Federal Reserve, which is technically not a governmental organization, to quote, get our interest rates down to zero or less, end quote. What's crazy is that Alan Greenspan, the former chairman of the American Monetary Authority, had argued that it won't be long before rates go negative in the U.S. It's coming, people. It's coming. Also, the ECB's move to inject more liquidity into their flagging economy comes amidst news that the People's Bank of China will start cutting rates as early as next week. Bitcoin proponents immediately responded to all this news with dismay, showing the irrationality of these policies, which they claim will amount to a catalyst for an increase in the value of non-fiat monies. Travis Kling, a former institutional investor turned head of crypto fund Ikiagi, wrote that the ECB, by buying 20 million euros worth of assets, is injecting more money in the economy than the 30-day circulating supply of Bitcoin. Wow. King, uh, sorry, Kling writes that all money printing printing mentioned earlier is effectively, quote, a race amongst central bankers to devalue their currencies as soon as possible. He writes that the entire world, that the entire world racing to see who can devalue their fiat currency the fastest assets with provable scarcity should begin to shine. By this, he is obviously referring to something like Bitcoin. As Kling said in a recent event, quote, Bitcoin is currently a risk asset, but it's a risk asset with a specific set of investment characteristics that will only become more attractive the more irresponsible monetary and fiscal policy becomes, end quote. Indeed, countless analysts have said that the further central banks, the, the, Ah, indeed, countless analysts have said that the further central banks try and print money, the further Bitcoin will climb. Tom Lee, a fund strat, has stated that these moves from the Federal Reserve and its ilk to cut rates will only increase the level of capital entering the Bitcoin markets. Henry Sender of the Financial Times has corroborated this. She wrote, oh, Henny, not Henry, sorry, Henny Sender. She wrote in a column for the Nikkei Asian Review that the cutting of rates... And the use of open market operations, which amount to competitive currency devaluations in the name of reflating economies, are driving up the price of Bitcoin. And why wouldn't it? My God almighty. Uh, more coming out of the EU. Marie Juliet's writing for Cointelegraph this morning that the EU needs its own digital euro coin to compete with Libra, says France. My God. French finance minister Bruno Le Marie, or Mayor, has said that Europe should consider its own public digital currency that could challenge Facebook's Libra. The minister's remarks, the latest in a series of vocal misgivings about the social media giant's cryptocurrency plans, were reported by Reuters on September the 13th. At a meeting of the EU finance ministers in Helsinki, Le Maire told reporters that he would be discussing the issue of a possible European public digital currency with his fellow European ministers next month. He also reiterated his concerns that the proposed Libra stablecoin could pose risk for the consumers, financial stability, and even the sovereignty of the European states. Le Maire urged the European bloc to push ahead with its work to cut the cost of cross-border payments. As Reuter notes, real-time payments in the Eurozone have been available as of 2017, but the scheme has only drawn participation from roughly half of the bloc's banks. Moreover, the project currently remains largely implemented for domestic payments. 
Aside from these proposals, Lemaire said that the bloc needed to rethink its approach toward regulating cryptocurrencies at an EU level, repeating his calls to refuse to authorize Libra's launch in the European Union. Lemaire argued that the current state of limbo in which regulators continue to debate whether to regulate cryptocurrencies as securities, payment services, or currencies must be resolved through the creation of a robust and common framework. Given this legal uncertainty, a spokeswoman for the EU Commission reportedly told Reuters that with the publicly available information on Libra, it is currently not possible to say which exact EU rules would apply. As reported just yesterday, Le Maire had forcefully said that lingering concerns about Facebook's project mean that in these conditions, we cannot authorize the development of Libra on European soil. He has previously said that he would ask for guarantees from Facebook that Libra would not be exploitable for illicit activities and characterize the proposed stablecoin as a, quote, attribute of the sovereignty of the states, end quote. While many regulatory and legal issues remain to be resolved, the EU's uh, fifth anti-money laundering directive, which came into force in July 2018, has revised the legal framework with which EU financial watchdogs can mitigate the risks of money laundering and financing of terrorism in the cryptocurrency sector. Jesus, they always go do that. Money laundering, financing of terrorism. It's the is if if you need to if you need to know how to identify a create a created and crafted narrative. It's the exact same words with the exact same phrasing in the exact same order every single freaking time. That's how you can tell. All right, Coindesk's Nicholas Day writing this morning that CME's Bitcoin index provider wins first EU crypto benchmark license. God, all these people are so all over the place with how how they think about this. They're banning shit with one hand and then giving licenses out with the other. It's just bizarre. Okay, CF Benchmarks has become the first cryptocurrency index provider to be recognized as a benchmark administrator under the European Benchmarks Regulation. The UK's Financial Conduct Authority authorized CF Benchmarks as an administrator on Friday, affirming that financial institutions can use the company's indices in any financial products after the BMR takes full effect on January the 1st, 2020. Sui Chung, CEO of CF Benchmarks, told Coindesk that this marks, uh, marks a first for cryptocurrency companies in the EU. Quote, here in Europe, the use of indices and provision of indices is regulated. So for all regulated firms in Europe, if they use a benchmark, then they have to make sure that it comes from a regulated benchmark provider, he explained. The regulatory scope for benchmarks in the EU for financial institutions is very broad, Chung said, noting that large banks and asset managers use indices for a number of purposes. Quote, they're all captured, all in scope of regulatory requirements, and this will come into full force on January 2020. For example, any fund manager looking to issue an exchange-traded fund that tracks an index must track a regulated index. Chung said, quote, there are a lot of regulated firms. There was a potential stumbling block for them if they did not want to consider issuing products referencing cryptocurrencies indices because they had to make sure if they wanted to market uh, on January the 1st, 2020, that they used a regulated index, end quote. While Chung said he could not name any specific companies at this stage, he has heard from firms interested in launching products which would track an index in the coming months. Moreover, CF Benchmarks will maintain this license even if the UK exits the EU in the next few months, Chung said. Even in a Brexit scenario, this particular piece of financial regulation has equivalency status between the UK and Europe. 
So there's that. Um, yeah, it's, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's good because it's like, you know, we're getting into, uh, oh, you know, corporate, you know, corporate adoption. And that's going to be important as, 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 as any other type of adoption is. Uh, let's see. Oh, Coindesk, uh, Daniel Palmer writing this morning that cyber criminals are selling hacked fiat money for Bitcoin at 10% of its value. It's probably not even worth that. Okay. There's now an underground service catering to criminals that lack the skills or nerve to hack into online accounts to steal funds. According to a September report from a security as a service firm, Armor, hackers on dark, dark markets are now selling fiat cash for fractions of its worth to avoid the risk of dealing with the money themselves. Armor's threat resistant u- resistance unit research team said in a report, quote, there are plenty of hackers willing to simply transfer stolen funds to the bank account or PayPal account of your choice or send you the funds via Western Union, end quote. The team said that the new service had been spotted within the last year and it has bloomed into a, quote, key offering on the dark web. <clears throat> those using the service will get what appears to be a real bargain gaining cash for Bitcoin at roughly 10 to 12 cents on the dollar. For example, a customer can pay the seller $800 in Bitcoin and $10,000 will be transferred to their account of choice. Aside from being cheap, the, the service makes things much simpler for customers since they no longer have to buy stolen online bank account credentials, set up a money mule account to receive the funds, and log into the stolen account to transfer the money. Armor calls it a seamless turnkey money laundering service. There is a reason dark web sellers are off- offering such low prices, of course. The service appeals to sellers because they are not taking possession of the funds themselves. Just transferring the cash puts the bulk of the risk on the buyer. More generally, the report says that Bitcoin is still the most popular cryptocurrency being used almost exclusively in dark web transactions. Cryptos with more privacy features like Monero, Dash, and Zcash are sometimes used, but tend to require more technical expertise on the part of the victims, Armour said. And shitcoiners, I've never heard another a, a better way to describe shitcoiners as than the use of the word victims. They're they are absolute, absolutely they are victims. <laughs> oh my god. Um, let's see. Let's get this one going on from this is out of decrypt.co. Nawaz Sulmanji is writing that Bitcoin's Lightning Network growth picks up. Uh, Let's see here. Bitcoin's Lightning Network is growing again with both the number of network nodes and payment channels on the rise over the last 30 days. At its core, the Lightning Network is a decentralized system for instant and high-volume Bitcoin micropayments, with payments as low as one Satoshi being able to be instantly settled on the network. It's regarded as one of the key ways Bitcoin will be able to scale to support millions of payments and users per day. According to data site 1ML, the number of Lightning nodes has increased by 3.5% to reach an all-time high of 9,863. These are computers plugged into the network that help keep it running. Payment channels are also seeing substantial growth on the Lightning Network. These are, in essence, connections between nodes that help Bitcoins get from one person to another. The total number of channels is up over 16% to 36,271. Now, 60% of all the nodes on the network have active payment channels. The growth of the nodes with active channels is an especially positive development for the network 
it demonstrates that people are not just setting up and running network nodes, but they are also opening and closing payment channels regularly. This helps the network to route transactions and earn the node owner some fee- the node owner some fees for the transaction they process. It's not all good news, however, that as the total number of Bitcoin locked up in the network today stands at 828 BTC, or about $8.3 million US. This number has been on a downtrend over the last two months, when, <clears throat> when the total lockup reached a high of 945 BTC worth 11 million or 11.2 million in July. Will the network news have any effect? Eh, I don't know, man. It's just, everything's just kind of bumping along sideways in my opinion, but whatever. Um, speaking of shit coinery, uh, Helen parts is writing for coin telegraph, uh, this morning that EOS hard fork in 10 days, major updates for other shit coins, well, she didn't write it that way. I'm just re- whatever. Doesn't matter. Uh, EOS or EOS, the seventh biggest cryptocurrency by market cap, is expected to have first consensus upgrade on September the 23rd, as EOS block producers have agreed to activate EOSIO v- <clears throat> version 1.8 on the EOS mainnet on this date. <clears throat> According to EOS Nation, a major BP. The upcoming event is, I guess, Block Producer, EOS Nation, and BP. Yeah, yeah, Block Producer. According to EOS Nation, a major BP, the upcoming event is the largest upgrade to the EOS network since it was launched. It is also the first update to require a hard fork. Be careful with those forks, brother. Which is a split in the source blockchain into two separate networks that will have their own transaction histories. EOS Nation says 29 of the 30 top BP BPs have committed to upgrading at publishing time, as noted by Cointelegraph Analytics, apart from small improvements in security and scalability. EOS IO developer co- company Block.1 has reportedly simplified the operation of future hard forks. According to Tucoin Telegraph Analytics, Tron is soon expected to release an update for its Sun network that was officially launched on August the 11th. The Sun network is a sidechain scaling solution that is designed to deliver supposedly unlimited shitcoin capacity for the Tron network. Additionally, the solution will purportedly allow decentralized applications or dApps to consume less energy and run with higher security and efficiency. As noted by Cointelegraph, resource consumption on the sidechain will be 100 times less, which will purportedly lead to a surging number of dApps. I doubt it. NEO, the 20th biggest coin by market cap at publishing time, will have a major upgrade to NEO 3.0 in its second quarter of 2020, as previously reported. The upgraded version is expected to be launched as a new blockchain network where users will need to swap their existing tokens for new ones. Jeez, what a shit show. According to NEO co-founder and core developer Eric Zhang, the update is necessary because a number of architectural improvements to NEO's performance are not compatible with its current blockchain. Yeah, it's because y'all weren't thinking. Jeez. Cointelegraph Analytics notes that the current version of the NEO blockchain is only receiving bug fixes and has the simplest set of features, while the NEO 3.0 upgrade will have a number of improvements. Those improvements will accept cheaper transactions and deployment of smart contracts in a faster blockchain powered by an un... uh, Sorry, unified transaction model. So there's the... Yeah, I get the feeling all that's just going to not work. And not work at all. But brave new coins. Uh, there's with no buy. There's no one wrote this. Oh come on, guys! You gotta put the author's name on here. 
Okay, Brave New Coin is writing as of what, uh, yesterday that the demographic tide is turning. Millennials are increasingly turning away from traditional investments towards Bitcoin and crypto assets. Recent surveys conducted by social trading platform eToro confirm that younger investors are becoming more comfortable with crypto as a potential investment class. Millennials have less disposable income, less real wages, and they face much higher living expenses, housing, and education costs when compared to their parents. As a result, they have less faith in the status quo and are less likely to trust banks, big business, and advertising. Despite the threat of hacks, scams, and volatility, millennial online traders are already more likely to trust crypto exchanges over the U.S. stock market and are more likely to turn towards Bitcoin during a recession. If a recession does loom into view, according to eToro, 40% of millennials said that they would prefer to invest in crypto assets. 50% of Gen Z said they would choose real estate, while 38% of, of Gen X would hedge with commodities. A survey of 1,000 online traders based in the U.S. found that 43% of millennial online traders trust crypto exchanges more than U.S. stock exchanges. The same survey found that 77% of Gen X respondents trust stock exchanges more. Guy Hirsch, managing director of eToro U.S., said, quote, we're seeing the beginning of a generational shift in trust from traditional stock exchanges to crypto exchanges. At the heart of this change are the asset classes themselves. Younger investors have seen the fall of Lehman Brothers and the worst recession since the Great, <clears throat> Great Depression. Americans saw that hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer money is funneled to the largest financial institutions and how banks get free money through quantitative eating, easing while the cost, their cost of living continues to rise. As more investors become educated on the benefits of blockchain, we'll continue to see this trend play out, end quote. <clears throat> However, in the spirit of the typical millennial's tendency to lean towards cynicism, let's not put too much stock in a survey of just 1,000 people commissioned by a crypto exchange that has an incentive to spin the results. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Instead, let's consider that millennials, uh, those people that are born between 1981 and 2000, are the largest and fastest growing demographic in the world. As baby boomers continue to retire and die off, the world is tipping towards millennials. Total disposable millennial income is, is expected to supersede all other generations by 2029. As Adamant Re Research pointed out in its Bitcoin and Heavy Accumulation report, Quote, having grown up with peer-to-peer -peer protocols like BitTorrent and running open source code like Linux, millennials are very open to cryptocurrencies. A survey from 2013 suggests that Bitcoin's early adopters, and likely Wales, were mostly male millennials. Also in the current landscape, surveys suggest that the majority of Bitcoin buyers are also millennials, with mistrust of governments and growth outlook as the main motivations to buy. As the disposable income of millennials continue to grow, we expect further tailwinds in terms of Bitcoin adoption and price appreciation, end quote. Following millennials come Gen Z and Generation Alpha, who are growing up completely immersed in digital worlds, such as World of Warcraft and Fortnite. They are the first true digital natives, and they have not known a world without Bitcoin, blockchain, and virtual goods. In the decades ahead, the intersection of virtual reality, gaming, and blockchain is likely to take crypto assets to places we can only dream up. Dream of buckle up. Yeah, I agree. Buckle up indeed. Okay, back to France and uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Adrian Zmunsky is writing for Cointelegraph, of course. Uh, this was yesterday. France won't tax crypto-only trades, will tax crypto to fiat sales. 
Nice. French economy minister Bruno Le Maire said on September the 12th that French authorities won't tax crypto to crypto trades, but will tax when cryptocurrencies are sold for fiat currency. Bloomberg Tax reported on Le Maire's declaration on September the 11th. Per the report, he noted, quote, we believe that the move that the moment the gains are converted into traditional money is the right time to assess tax, end quote. The author of the report also explains that such an approach to taxing cryptocurrency trading would help with tracking transactions, which he believes to be a common challenge in crypto-to-crypto trading. Lemaire also reportedly addressed value-added tax application to cryptocurrencies. <clears throat> More precisely, he explained that the VAT is to be applied to cryptocurrency transactions only when they are used to acquire an asset or a service. France is reportedly already implementing the new approach to cryptocurrency taxation. As Cointelegraph reported at the end, uh, end of August, Portugal's tax authority has clarified that both cryptocurrency trading and payments in crypto will not be taxed in the country. Uh, Portugal, Portugal about to get a whole bunch of people moving there. Also in August, a tax bill seeking to allow the exclusion of gain or loss on like-kind exchanges of virtual currency have been introduced in the United States House of Representatives. Yeah, we'll see how far that one goes. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Your vital statistics brought to you by BitInfoCharts.com. Bitcoin is at a price of 10325 It looks like we got, that's the high. It looks like the low is going to be over at, oh, let's see here. Looks like HitBTC is listing it at 10294 So only about a $30 differential there. Nice. 312,000 transactions over the last 24 hours with about 13,000 transactions being done per hour. 600, ooh, this is low number. 629 BTC or 629,000 BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours with an average being sent per hour of 26,200. Average transaction value is about 2 BTC and the median transaction value is at 0.029 BTC or right around 300 bucks. Block time is low at 9 minutes and 14 seconds. And it looks like 0.16 BTC are being taken on a uh, per block basis in fees and overall fees in the last 24 hours is 25 BTC. We've lost 6% of the hash rate in the last 24 hours, but we're still at 88 0.2 exahashes per second. Last GitHub commit was sometime this morning. Ethereum is at 179. Bcash is at 297. Litecoin is at 68. BSV is at 117. Ethereum Classic is at six and a quarter. And Dogecoin gained a little bit at 0.0025. 24,000 transactions does no, or in the last 24 hours beats Ethereum Classic, but pretty much nothing else. My Ethereum Classic's only got 4,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. Shit coinery. I think I still have like five of those stupid things. Okay, mempool. We are we are eight blocks deep into the mempool with about twelve thousand five hundred unconfirmed transactions. Uh, not seeing, yeah, seeing a couple of one and a half megabyte blocks, but yeah, everything else is about one point two, one point three, about about the average. That's going to do it for vitals. <laughs> Thank you. 
Remember a couple of shows ago, I was talking about Steve Martin being a pretty badass banjo player? You're about to find out why. So this is a story song, and, um, well, I'll explain what a story song is, in case you're an idiot. Um, It's a song that tells a story. Uh, So this is a new one to add to the genre. It's called Pretty Little One. Built for speed, you and me could have some fun, you pretty little one. Took her riding around the town, ain't no woman ever shut me down. Ever seen a truck like this? How about a little kiss, you pretty little one? So she's my gal, I told her so She resisted for a bit Baby, that's the way of it You pretty little one A couple of times she tried to leave I told her that don't work for me Your daddy tried to intervene Folks, I'm just a mean machine I can handle double pops What's it done but shovel rocks I said, baby, that's enough I might have got a little rough On the pretty little one It's over, let's not fight I said sure, but one more talk Maybe just a little walk Around the block, a nice goodbye You're so lovely, honey pie I went over, picked her up Got her in my pickup truck Driving slow around the town Then I put the pedal down Took her out a gravel road Stopped the truck where no one goes This is where the job gets done On the pretty little one I felt mean from my boot I pulled a knife Said I'm gonna take your life I was calm as I can get So I lit a cigarette In the flicker I could see She had a pistol trained on me That pretty little one Tough. He read it easy as ABC. It's when he gave this gun to 
to me And ever since your truck arrived My hand's been on this 45 I went at her with my knife She pulled the trigger, shot me twice In the heart and in the head Took half a breast, slumped over dead She pumped another for good luck Right between my buttercups That pretty little one Whispered to the ground I'll let you have another round My name is Lucy Allen Cop You should know I was not your pretty little one I told you I told you he was good You didn't believe me No, that son of a bitch is, is, is Really talented You're talking about a guy Who did this as a gag to, you know, when he was starting out in stand-up, he had a, became hugely popular as a stand-up comedian, then went into f- making, you know, comedic movies, became even more popular, got so popular that he could stop making comedic movies, and, and he made some, re- a couple of really good movies. Well, obviously, there's going to be always be some humor in anything that Steve Martin does, but he became even more popular. He got to the point where he doesn't even do any of that crap anymore. He just plays banjo. Now he's now he's a successful musician. So he went from a stand-up actor to a movie star to a rock star. Well, in in the banjo kind of world, but still, I mean, he's he's playing with some of the best. He's playing with like played with Earl Scruggs, right? And I, I, I know you guys probably don't know who Earl Scruggs is, but he's one of the he was one of the very best uh, banjo player uh, players alive, greatest of all time kind of uh, action. The woman's voice that you heard in there was Edie Brickell. It, this this last song that that I just played you, Edie Brickell. If you don't know who she is, she got real popular in the '90s with Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. Uh, they had a lot they had quite a couple of chart toppers um and a few albums and then she just they all just went away it's like they vaporized and all of a sudden i find this tune and i'll be damned if it's not edie Brickell. it just it blew me away when i figured that one out but yeah that's edie Brickell from edie Brickell and the new bohemians playing with a comedian that turned into a movie star that turned into a banjo star. So apparently you can do whatever the hell it is you want with your life. I guess it just takes talent. Who knows? Anyway, so let's just go ahead and let's scoot all the way through daily train wreck, terrible joke corner and out. And the reason this is going to be a shorter show is we got to set, I got to set up for my son's birthday party tomorrow. I got to make sure everything is, is right. And like all uh, I got to do stuff. So that's why we're, we're going to, we're going to motor on through this thing. All right. Your daily train wrecked is brought to you by crypto bacon who says all, because all B cash needs is another shitty exchange. And he's got a, a, a screen grab of, of this, uh, decrypt.co article. 
What's he talking about? Yeah, this shit coinery at its finest. Roger Ver planning Bitcoin Cash derivatives platform to overtake XRP and Ethereum. <laughs> Roger Ver is stepping up his efforts to promote the adoption of Bcash. After quitting as CEO of Bitcoin.com to be part of its executive board, Bitcoin Jesus has abandoned the Bitcoin kills babies rhetoric to focus on what really matters money. Yesterday, David Shin, head of Bitcoin.com crypto exchange, talked to Bloomberg <clears throat> about the Verbacked firm's intentions to create a BCH derivative platform, establishing partnerships with CFTC regulated exchanges. Bitcoin.com, though, isn't exactly reinventing the wheel here. The plan, it appears, is to do essentially what BitMEX does for Bitcoin. BitMEX offers several of its trading products in the, forms, in the form of a futures contract with cash settlement. The exchange explains in its futures guide. Ver did not immediately respond to Decrypt's request for comment on the new product. Nevertheless, Shin is sure that BCH derivatives will make the token appealing to institutional investors. Quote, we'll try to list a BCH future on one of these exchanges that CFTC's regulated to, therefore, have a product that can be traded into the U.S. with institutional trades, he told Bloomberg. In theory, we should see more penetration, more users, more trading, and more volume. Good luck, dude. The scheme appears to follow the, if it worked for BTC, it can work for BCH playbook that Ver has laid out as of late. Just this past May, Ver launched the controversial local Bitcoin exchange, a peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin cash trading platform, curiously similar even in the name to local Bitcoins, a peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin trading platform. Quote, it's good marketing, Ver told Decrypt at the time. It explains clearly what we are doing, and it seems like the strategy worked. A few months later, he launched the Bitcoin.com exchange with BCH as the first option, of course, to promote the platform and take a piece of the market share from other more popular exchanges. Ver is actually paying those currently using the platform with a system of negative fees. Jesus. God, it's a clown car. If this BCH-focused BitMEX clone becomes a reality, practically every strategy that worked for Bitcoin would now have a BCH equivalent. The Bitcoin.com team appears confident that this will boost not only adoption of Bcash, but more to the point, its place in the market cap leaderboard. Quote, within a year, I want to make that the second or third largest market cap, Shin said. To get from number four to number three or number two, we have to see more volume. Quite an ambitious goal, especially considering that BCH would have to double its market cap to overtake XRP and practically quadruple it to overtake Ethereum. And this ain't 2017 anymore. Yeah, good luck with all of that, Raj. I mean, you can't come up with anything on your own. So I, I guess just, you know, keep keep, you know, doing what you're doing with, you know, making people believe that your shit coin is actually Bitcoin and it's not. Anybody who's listening that doesn't understand this, please, please stay away from Bcash or as Roger's calling it, Bitcoin Cash. It's, it's a shit coin. It has nothing to do with actual Bitcoin. You know, the thing with all the development, the thing with Lightning Network, the thing that actually has SegWit, the thing that is adopting all the technology that needs to be put in place before this son of a bitch can ossify. Yeah, that's actual Bitcoin. Everything with Bitcoin in its name, if it's got Bitcoin in its name and there's another word or a letter in it or something, that's not Bitcoin. That is a shit fork and they're going to rip you off and relieve you of your money. It's a huge joke. 
It's just a huge joke, but not as funny as this joke. Again, by Away Slice. Thank you, at Away Slice on Twitter. Why does Snoop Dogg carry an umbrella with him everywhere he goes? Faux drizzle. Yeah, it's terrible, but it's terrible joke corner, okay? It's terrible joke corner. You're just going to have to deal with it, all right? Okay, with that, episode number 137 of Bitcoin and is in the can. It's Friday. It happens to be Friday the 13th. Uh, Don't let it get to you. But it is Friday. It's the beginning of the weekend, and I hope everybody has a good one, including my son. There's always that. There's always that thing in the back of a parent's head that you're scared that that the invitations that you sent out that nobody's gonna that none of his friends are gonna come. There's always that fear, and me and my wife are kind of feeling that today. Uh, we, we shall see. It's, it's one of it's one of those things. We also live in a fairly small town, so that doesn't make it any better. But still, uh, so you know, my son's birthday is actually yes, yeah, so the son's birthday party is tomorrow on Saturday. So I don't see you know, and it's at like an amusement park kind of place thingy. So I don't see any reason why they wouldn't come. But at, at being a parent is basically being saddled with all manner of guilt and worry about your, your, your children. They're worth it though. They're, they're absolutely worth it. With all that said, man, I'm going to see you guys on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.